Hi, my name is Julie. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to Two Sober Chicks, a podcast where we just talk about our experience, strength, and hope from our own perspective, and we share it with you guys. In other words, um, these are just our opinions. We don't represent any organization, institution, um, and we just speak for ourselves. So we hope you like it and you get something out of it. Uh, If you are a person in recovery, we know that the struggle can sometimes be very real and daunting, and we want you to know that you're not alone. And we're here. If you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, please send us an email at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com or visit us on Facebook and message us at two sober chicks. All right, it's topic time. Lisa's going to pick today from our jar of recovery topics. All right, your first meeting experience. Uh, and by that, we mean uh, in a in a room of Alcoholics Anonymous. Julie and I are both members. Like we said, we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, but we are sharing our experience with other people uh, outside of the rooms who may, you know, be wondering what it's like to go to an AA meeting for the first time. I know um, there was a lot of fear and a lot of stigma around it for me, and uh, I was terrified of going. So do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so my first meeting experience was shortly after I went to a treatment center and was told that they have, they, I would def, I definitely qualified to check in for rehab, but that they didn't have a spot for me and I had to wait about a month or two and I panicked and they told me to go to AA in the meantime, which was held at this recovery center twice a week. And it was the most insulting thing I'd ever heard in my life. Cause I'm not one of those people. And like, isn't AA just homeless old men drinking from brown paper bags and talking about their feelings over crappy coffee in a church basement like I'm sorry but no thank you and very quickly realized when it became Groundhog Day once again that if I wanted to really look at getting some help I would have to go to a meeting so I was terrified Um, I was a mess I walked down a very long hallway in this treatment center and immediately saw a woman standing at the door this beautiful red-headed curly-headed angel and she was glowing and smiling, and I was immediately surprised that someone like her was at a meeting. And uh, at right. this point, your first thought is, "You're not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You must just be the representative." Yeah. Uh, my body posture was hunched over. I had a pashmina that was pretty much covering my head. I was shaky and very emotional. And she took me right in under her wing. And I thought there was like 400 people there, but I started volunteering there two years sober and realized the room probably had about 40 people in there. But when you're as isolated as I was, that was a lot. And uh, she took me under a wing and she made me sit beside her and it was a big circle and they read all these things that I don't remember what they said. But I was told by her that once a desire chip was called out, I had to go get it. And I thought in my head, woman, you are crazy if you think I'm getting up in front of 400 people and picking up something called a desire chip. And that moment came, and guess who found herself being lifted out of the seat and walking across a room full of people who, by the way, were clapping and cheering like psychos. (laughs) My most humiliating, worst, bottom, embarrassing moment of my life. And people are clapping and cheering. Right. And I have never seen anyone pick up a chip messier than me. I was snot in tears and shaking and couldn't breathe. And this man was smiling and handing me this little chip and this little piece of paper, which is the 12 steps. Um, And I went back to my seat and people were touching me, which was really uncomfortable (laughs) because I'm not okay with that. I wasn't at the time. (laughs) And that was that moment of surrender. That's why that moment is so powerful. And I'm telling you, it had nothing to do with me because that was not me that got up. 
and uh, I wanted to get out there as fast as I could because I thought everyone was insane. And then we broke into two groups. It was a discussion meeting, and I was told to stay on the one, two, three side because the other side was, I think she said for experts, or at least that's what I heard in my head, <laughs> and that I was to stay on the beginner side. And this book was opened, and I couldn't believe what was being read. Don't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, oh, my God, I get what I get what this is. It was probably to do with how we drink and how we feel and how we look at this world. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. But then it was when these – and it was men I identified with first. Her and I were the only women there. These men started sharing their thoughts and their feelings. Oh, I'm getting chills. And how they drank. And it was like everything went from black and white and blurry to color and hyper focus because they were speaking to my heart. They were saying things that I thought only I experienced. And it was that connection with another person of a shared experience that made me go, oh, my God, this is I need to be here. So my first meeting experience went from worst experience of my life to like this is home. I need to be here in a matter of 25 minutes. And I know it doesn't work that way for everyone. But for me, had that not happened, I don't know if I would have come back. So I really believe God speaks to each of us in our own language in a way that we can understand. And he gave me the experience I needed that day in order to keep me coming back. That's cool. I didn't have that experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it took me it took me a lot longer for um, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous to feel like home mm. for me to want to be there for me to desire to be there for me to think of AA like air you know it's something I cannot live without and it doesn't matter how long I've been sober I still go to meetings and I will continue to go to meetings until my last breath yes um, because that is what I need but my first meeting um I didn't want to go. I went because someone else had a problem with my drinking. So I thought that this would appease her and I'd get my things back and my (laughs) my woman back, my house, (laughs) my child, my cars, instead of sleeping on someone's couch, you know, at 30, 35. (laughs) You don't think you're going to be a couch surfer at 35 when you own a home. Um, And all of a sudden you're not welcome there anymore. So I went out of utter desperation Um, and not a belief that I was an alcoholic. And I remember uh, my dear friend Roy. Uh, Roy is passed away now, um, and Roy became my very first introduction to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous long before I walked in the door, because I met him through um, charity work. And when I first met him, I thought he was the, the kindest He is. He was the most kindest, gentlest man I'd ever met. And I thought he was a saint because of all the the work he did for nonprofit charitable organizations. And then I remember, you know, people around town would would, you know, that you'd mention his name and they'd say something about him like, oh, that he's an ex-con or, oh, that guy, he got sent to jail for bad checks. And I was like, what? And then Roy came to me. or I came to him with this problem I had because we'd become quite good friends over the years. I didn't care what other people said. I didn't listen to them. Uh, I knew who he was through the work that I was seeing him do through he, through what he was doing every day. And I told him um, that, you know, my partner thought I might have a problem with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've been waiting for you. Aww. And it was an oh moment, right? But I was not, oh, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> What do you mean you've been waiting for me? You think I'm an alcoholic? (laughs) Yeah, so I wasn't really happy about the fact that he'd been waiting for me. Um, But anyway, 
it was great to know somebody, and he, he said, I'll take you to a meeting if you want to go. And the, the last thing I wanted to do was go to a meeting, but I said, yeah, okay, that'd be great. We went to a meeting, and then I was horrified to learn that it was held in a church. And he reminded me that it wasn't a religious program. Uh, you know, they just offered, you know, a, a cheap meeting space um, because they're trying to help the still-suffering alcoholic. So I'm like, okay. And then I walk in, and of course, I see pictures of Jesus on the wall. And because it's in a church, Lisa, of course, you're going to see those things. How dare they? And then the slogans, you know. And the very first slogan I saw was, um, let go and let God. And the next one was, but for the grace of God. And I really thought, I am doomed. I am fucked. If this is the way that it's going to save me and I'm going to get sober, then I am definitely not going to get saved. I am beyond saving. Um, and all I did was the moment they started reading and, and uh, talking and sharing, I started crying. And I couldn't, I couldn't speak. You know, they, mm -hmm. got, they got around to me, and I think I said, my name's Lisa. Pass. <laughs> That's good. That's really good at a first meeting. You can even do that. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't say I was an alcoholic, um, and uh, yeah, so that's it. And yeah, I was snotting and sniffling, and yeah, people handed me their Kleenexes, which was nice. And and then we left, you know. And uh, and then the next one he brought me to was a, a discussion meeting, and that's where I got a chip. But I was terrified. Mm. And I did not want to get up and get a chip. And all I did was um, think about what, what made me different from these people. Because I didn't want to admit that I was an alcoholic. So I focused on the differences instead of, oh, hey, I can relate to what that guy's saying. Or I felt like that. That came later for me. Definitely not on my first meeting. I had a very closed mind. It was very opinionated and full of ego and fear and self-pity and self-loathing. So there was a lot going on in that brain. I didn't have room for anything more. So I had to empty it out first before I could fill it up with some good stuff. So I think that describes my first experience. What's super cool is that Lisa and I both had very emotional, fear-based first meeting experiences, especially around the chips. And now we sit in the front row at our home group yeah. and we go insane when someone picks up their chip. We're like, what? <laughs> clapping so happy so it's such a cool full circle moment because now we understand why these people are so crazy when you get a desire yeah. chip and it's the coolest thing ever and I never have more admiration and respect and pride for a human being um, than when I see that happen at an AA meeting because getting the desire chip is the beginning for you for us of a new way of living instead of the old desperate fearful way of living there's hope you know for the first time and to me that's what the desire trip is all about an acceptance of the an acceptance and willingness of the unknown that there might be something better out there for me we're doing our part in our relationship with our higher power it's not one way god just doesn't reach down well i think a relationship with God is a two-way street. It takes participation. So God just isn't going to reach down and answer all my prayers. He has to see that I am an active participant. So for me to take a desire chip is my work. It's my way of saying, I am ready for this. Please answer my prayer. And then that's when I believe that program of recovery can start. Amazing. Thanks, Julie. So my pleasure. We're two sober chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Thank you so much for listening. We love you and we wish you a healthy, happy 24.